Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You said yeah. deep, so I went with it. Yeah, I'm no, like, these guys yeah, think Dalton. I'm going. Yeah, I was no, on Dalton went with one deep. guy who's not even on a f- team. Who? <laughs> who's not on a team? Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. My name is Matt Harmon, and I'm joined today by Dalton Del Don, my in-season co-host for Stat Nerd Thursday. Look at that branding, baby. Official. We love to see it. Um, look, we might throw out some stats here today, but we're actually going to try and come up with a list of our favorite deep fantasy sleepers for this coming season. Uh, Dalton, not a sleeper, is Trey Lance. but And I know I'm about to talk some you know visual stuff on a podcast. So that's great work, but love that. I haven't seen this new artwork you've got behind you of Trey Lance. That is a, a handsome looking figure behind you there. I mean, you're a handsome looking guy yourself, but this is quite a big upgrade here. Yeah, no contest with Mr. Trey Lance next to me. And news that he was struggling through that finger injury all of last year. You love to hear that as being a possibility of some of the inaccuracy issues. But uh, I appreciate you acknowledging the, the Trey Lance photo, but but bearing the lead here. Congratulations to you, Harmon. You're a married man. Haven't spoken to you on the pod since oh, then. So congrats, man. It's, I'm, I'm really happy for you guys. Thank you. I, I'm kind of uh, slugging my way back through real life uh, after the after the wedding and then the couple of days or, you know, basically like ended up being a week that we kind of took away uh, from it. But yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to be back talking football and good to honestly like the wedding was I know I said this with Andy on last podcast, so I won't belabor the point, but wedding was awesome. Feel great. And uh, very happy to never have to think, well, you know, never have to think about planning a wedding ever, ever, ever again. Uh, so I'm glad that that is behind me, and I appreciate. Uh, congratulations, thank you, man. It's it's been awesome so far, and uh, really, really, really happy. But uh, equally happy to be talking about some players, Dalton, in fantasy that will probably um, never matter, probably not move the needle. But the people are always hungry for their deep sleepers. Um, I don't know if you had any kind of like qualification for this episode like about guys that you were going to throw out there like I basically you know because every this is this grinds my gears um now that I'm an old uh washed married man I can definitely say things like this grinds my gears is you know everybody has to get all up in arms about that guy's not really a sleeper you know that's not a deep sleeper uh basically if for running backs and wide receivers if they're outside like the top 50 consensus ranked players I was cool with putting them on my list and basically um, bite me if you disagree is kind of my thought there. 
Yeah, no hard and fast rule for me, but producer John suggests use the word deep. So uh, I definitely went deep sleepers in my in the outline uh, there. Maybe too deep for your typical 12-team league, but you're playing in super flex. You're playing best ball even. I, that's yeah. my thought process here with some of these quarterbacks I'm going to mention even is uh, is best ball league. So some of these are admittedly definitely uh, more of the deep variety. But um, yeah, let, let's talk some um, some esoteric sleepers here. Yeah, and let's start with quarterback. And I think quarterback is actually harder than ever to pinpoint sleepers because, you know, it was it was not even that long ago, Dalton, that like when Lamar Jackson was entering his first season as a starter, he was like a double digit round pick. Yeah. Um, now I feel like when a rushing quarterback hits like Trey Lance, perfect example. I mean, people were myself included, were overdrafting the hell out of like Trey Lance and Justin Fields without even any guarantee that they would start week one simply because we knew the value of rushing quarterbacks like it's been beaten over our heads at this point now. However, you know, we can still try to find some guys that might have some rushing upside, but there's a couple of guys on our both of our mutual lists here that are just pure pocket passers, kind of starting with your first one here in Davis Mills. First of all, I completely agree with you that the, the market has is, is gotten ahead of the curve and been much smarter. Having said that, our guy Trey Lance is ECR's expert consensus rank right now in Fantasy Pros is a QB 15, which seems awfully yes. low. I mean, Shanahan just flat out said that Jimmy G's gone uh, yesterday, basically. Yeah. So, um, But having said that, I do agree with your general principle there. I'm going with Detective Davis Mills. Uh, I've spoken on this podcast before. At home last year, se- seven games, 7.9 YPA, 12 touchdowns. One interception. Pat Thorman tweeted this out. Uh, the Texans on first down runs averaged a league low three yards per carry, yet they still handed off on first down at the sixth highest rate. So they're going to have improved Crazy. coaching. Um, Davis, we saw all the other rookie quarterbacks really struggle last year, and he did not have very many impressive weapons to throw to. I mean, Brandon Cooks was by far the best. So I think Davis Mills is a real sneaky uh, sneaky guy moving forward, and I, I seem to have a, a brighter outlook. Cause I, the general consensus is like, oh, maybe he'll be uh, settling as a really nice backup. I don't know, man. I think there's more upside here. I think there is too. And yeah, he was put in just a trash situation last year. You know, like you mentioned that their, their second and long stats are just absurd. Like they, they were the worst rushing team on first down and were one of the most run heaviest teams on first down in the entire league. Um, I love that. We're going to be able to take some of these names and spin off into other guys. Cause like, I like Nico Collins a little bit as a sleeper, a deep sleeper at wide receiver. Um, I think they have a pretty good, like if all things work out right, like in a best case scenario, they have a pretty good wide receiver trio of Nico Collins as a pure X receiver. Brandon Cooks is like that speed Z receiver. And obviously we know he's he's a proven player. And then uh, John Mechie, I think, could be when he's healthy, could be a really interesting slot receiver for them, too. That is much better than what they were dealing with last year. Obviously, they have some some more intriguing players in the backfield as well. So I agree. Davis Mills stock up for him. Um, this is probably the least deep name. Like, I think th- this quarterback that I'm about to say is uh, a guy that's probably going to could actually get drafted at least um at least in superflex and Q- two QB leagues for sure and could get a decent bit of steam but maybe even for like late round quarterback teams Daniel Jones I think is set up really well to thrive this year at least from a fantasy perspective because we know he is he's a guy that actually does have legit rushing upside that doesn't get talked about enough um he's a, he's a fast guy could run really well and I just think the coaching upgrade from whatever the hell Jason Garrett and the boys were doing last year to like Brian Dayball. Um, and they've got legit players there still at the wide receiver room. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. 
the skill position talent is pretty decent there for New York. You know, Daniel Jones might not be the guy going forward for New York. They declined his fifth year option. But from a fantasy perspective, if you are looking for like a late round quarterback, I do think Daniel Jones is really intriguing primarily because I just think he's going from like the outhouse to the penthouse in terms of coaching right now. One final thing I forgot to mention on my Davis Mills hype. He was actually a top 10 fantasy QB over the final five games last year. Uh, wow. Daniel Jones, <laughs> I'm with you there. He's uh, the highest ranked uh, fantasy QB among these deep sleepers we're going to talk about. Uh, coaching gets underrated often in fantasy communities. I guess there's a gigantic upgrade with Dayball going there. And um, he, he suffered some injuries that have, I think, affected his uh, performance on the field, especially in 2020. He's playing with a bad hamstring down the stretch. Daniel Jones can run. You said the weapons are there. No pushback at all here. I think it's. I think if he stays healthy, he's going to be easily a top 15 on a per game basis with upside for top 10 because of his rushing ability. Yeah, the only thing obviously that gives me some pause is if last year they've got like Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm behind him and, you know, they have just remember the game like where they took a they like kneeled it or whatever to avoid a, a sneak because they were that bad off on mm, offense down the stretch yeah. now that they have Tyrod Taylor in place a guy who's actually familiar with Brian Dayball too like I think the leash and I I mean I'll, listen I will I will stand for Tyrod until the day he uh, leaves the NFL you know the pride of uh, one, one of the great Virginia cities there so I say all that, but like he does have a shorter leash, I think, than in years past as Daniel Jones. But still, if you're drafting him in like the double digit rounds, who cares? On a per game basis, you're right. He'll be good. What if Barkley and Tony stay healthy? I mean, those are pretty good weapons. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, obviously, you got your guy Shepard there and even Kenny Galladay. I have Galladay. him on my sleeper list, too, because yeah. he's just an afterthought now. But yeah, so I'm with you on Daniel Jones for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll come back on the receivers uh, when you mention Kenny Galladay. Spoiler alert later on. But uh, let's group these next two quarterbacks that you have here kind of together, because I think you, you could say Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky. They're both veteran placeholders with obviously a first round pick is behind Mitch Trubisky, a third round pick who everybody compares Marcus Mariota to in Desmond Ritter there behind him. So they might not have the longest leashes in the world, but they do present uh, some of that rushing upside that we're talking about. Yeah, completely admit this might be a problem come fantasy playoff time because they have rookies that are probably going to get some work uh, at, you know, at the end of the season. But if you're in a best ball, these guys are totally free. Marcus Mariota has a 7.5 career YPA playing indoors. They're going to be playing from behind most of these games with uh, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. They're like five receivers uh, who 22 years or, or younger have, have gotten uh, a thousand yards. And uh, Kyle Pitts is one of them and he played tight end. I mean, if you look at these markers, he just has a special, special uh, future ahead of him. Um, and yeah, you know, Arthur Smith, year two and head coach. So I really like Mariota to be a sneaky, sneaky playable in, in fantasy leagues when he's out there. Um, and then for Trubisky, my only thought here is that I'm out on Kenny Pickett and I just kind of got a thought of how bad the Chicago situation was. And Trubisky oh, so runs, Trubisky runs, so who knows kind of thing. You know, basically, I'll just take him as a flyer ahead of Pickett is what I would do if I were in a best ball because I think people are kind of underrating just how off. I think Trubisky, obviously, the odds are, are long shot that he's any good, but it was really bad situation he was in. And so who knows kind of thing. And he runs. Yeah, I could see Mike Tomlin being like a, the rookie's going to earn his stripes mm -hmm, type of guy, you know, yes, like yes. Mitch Trubisky plays. The problem, I think, with Trubisky is, and if you're doing like a seasonal league and it's 2QB, who, who cares? Because you expect these guys to get pulled at some point. 
But the problem, I think, for Trubisky, if you're drafting him like in a best ball league, is they the Steelers start. We got the schedule now, baby. We can talk schedule. Right. Um, I barely, I've barely dug into the schedule because obviously I've had a rather consequential life event the last couple of weeks that I didn't wasn't paying attention to the schedule release. But we got the Steelers start the 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 season off with the Bengals, the Patriots, the Browns, the Jets, and the Bills. That's a pretty tough uh, first five games, especially I, I who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. But there's at least three games in there where they could get smacked around uh i think a little bit with the bills the patriots and the Bengals. so there's a chance that trubisky loses that job pretty early but i do yeah, like totally. having these guys yeah, out this there. is an ugly flyers it gets um but I, so <laughs> my mind immediately goes went into survivor uh mode when the schedule came out and there's not one team favored by even a touchdown week one Harmon. it's gonna be it's gonna be tough survivor right away even week one there's not one team favored by a touchdown so uh that's gonna be a competitive uh, opening week it looks like Week one always looks awesome. Week one's always really exciting. This year, it does look, uh, from the schedule perspective, pretty enticing. So uh, very excited about that. Uh, my next deep sleeper is Jared Goff. Uh, I talked about the Lions, and he's obviously Jared Goff. We talked about rushing upside. That's great for fantasy. Jared Goff ain't got none of that, right? Like, there's no rushing upside to speak of here. But talked about the Lions uh, on last episode with Andy. I think they're an intriguing team overall. I love the way Amon Ross St. Brown like projects as that but I keep saying a Bud Light Cooper Cup role I love that they have Jamison Williams eventually there to give them a lid lifter when he's ready to go like there's talent in Detroit behind a good offensive line I feel like people we've kind of overcorrected on Jared Goff like people think he's just trash he's not trash he's just obviously not the he's not the answer for Detroit he wasn't like the real answer for for the LA Rams, but like you go back and look at like, he has, you know, 4,600 yards uh, in back-to-back seasons with the Rams in 2018, 2019, 32 touchdowns, 22 touchdowns, 28 touchdowns. Like he can definitely keep the ship afloat. That's probably more important for guys like, you know, for St. Brown and Hawkinson and Swift and some of these other players. And it is actually individually important for Jared Goff. But I do think there's going to be weeks because this is a pretty good ecosystem. I like the way that Dan Campbell and uh, Johnson developed the offense later in the year for once they kind of pushed Anthony Lynn out of the, out of the way. So I think there's going to be some, at the very least, there's going to be some big games in Jared Goff's future. Dan Campbell, the most bet on for coach of the year. The Lions, uh, a lot of people sneaky pick to maybe make a run at that division. And I get I'm on board here. Uh, Jared Goff plays indoors, has all these weapons, as you, as you mentioned. I mean, what if John Swift stays healthy? He's just like a receiver out of the backfield, too. So, yeah, I, I mean, no pushback here. Um, the, the Lions are, are going to be a fun team. I hope they do stay healthy. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting because everyone made fun of Campbell and the culture there. But um, it's kind of interesting what he's putting together there. A lot, a lot of Webo Shark and and, and Jamison Williams. I mean, yeah, it's a, right. it's 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 a it's a di- it's a deep sleeper. But uh, he'll be in golf. Will end up being like the better fantasy pick. Everyone will draft Zach Wilson ahead of him, and there's rushing upside there and all the <laughs> weapons in in the Jets. But golf will stay healthier and, and and put up the you know more likely to to be like you know in that t- quarterback twenty range. 19 touchdowns last year for Jared Goff. Obviously, he missed some games uh, there. You know, COVID stuff like that. I think he could clear 25 touchdowns this year and I wouldn't blink. Like I think he could be a close to a 4,000 yard passer this year and I wouldn't blink just because again, he's a decent enough facilitator and this is a pretty good ecosystem and the offensive line rocks. I don't know if I mentioned that at the the offensive line is very good too. All right, let's move on to positions that actually might end up really mattering at some point in fantasy uh, for, you know, typical redraft leagues. And I think when we frame the running back discussion, Dalton, it always comes down to like we're looking to take advantage of potentially chaotic situations like chaos rules that running back guys get hurt. You know, uh, backfields end up not shaking out the way that that we think 
we do this all the time. I always come back to the Niall Davis days behind like Jamal Charles, where, you know, we always thought like Niall Davis would be the guy. And then it just didn't happen right for him because someone else crept up and was better, you know, behind uh, Jamal Charles or whatever. Like we, ne- we don't get these like running back insurance situations right all the time. However, it's worth like looking at some of these guys that could benefit from chaotic backfields. We both let's just group our, our two Titans guys together because you had Dontrell Hilliard. I had uh, Hassan Haskins. I'm not saying I'm out on Derrick Henry, but I think it's worth like remembering Hassan Haskins, at least for me, big guy, rookie this year. If there's a if if Derrick Henry goes down, like there were moments for Donta Foreman when he started to take that backfield over Foreman now as the backup in Carolina. That could end up mattering at some point with Christian McCaffrey's injury history. But uh, Haskins and Hilliard uh, hit me with kind of your thoughts on the Titans backfield. Haskins probably more overall upside because he would be more of a 20 carry guy if Henry were to go down. Hilliard, I like in PPR. He could probably make some some noise even if Henry stays healthy. He really impressed when pressed into action last year. But basically, we're just fading uh, Henry. I am fading him in the first round if he's going to go in the top 10 again. At his wor- career workload coming off the major foot surgery, and if you look at the nerd stats, the broken uh, missed tackle percentage, it was way, way down before the injury last year. And his, yeah. his, his fantasy, I mean, his awesome fantasy player, don't get me wrong, but it was pure volume. Volume. Um, another reason I kind of like Hilliard there, no AJ Browns. I'm mean, who are you even to throw yeah. to. Um, but yeah, we're just, or at least I am personally fading uh, Derrick Henry this year in first rounds of fantasy drafts. So uh, yeah, I would take a, and because of the Haskins draft, which I w- won't push back on you, I, I, like I said, more upside, Hilliard has just become a total afterf- afterthought there too. So that that's why, that's why I went with him. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, the Titans clearly said this offseason they're going to lean more into that like Titans identity of like, you know, what if they had tried to trade Derrick Henry and try to instead of trying to trade AJ Brown? Like that, that would have been like, all right, we want to evolve at some point. But the fact that they take a pure backup to to Derrick Henry, they they go with Traylon Burks, who's like a development. He's I don't care what people say, he's a developmental receiver. He's not going to be like what AJ Brown was as even as a rookie. That Robert Woods is is their best wide receiver, and he's still coming off an ACL tear. So there, we should expect them to be more run heavy uh, this year than than ever before, and that's basically been their identity all along if you thought that this episode the only time that we were going to reference the 49ers uh was the trey lance discussion uh in the intro here you were wrong dalton obviously has a 49ers running back here as a deep sleeper and it's probably not any of the guys you're thinking of yeah this is super deep i think uh, i got swooped i'm very upset i was in a best ball and he was taken and uh, automatic i slept through in the morning and in the 25th round i missed jeff wilson 49ers the more I think about it, I, I really like Elijah Mitchell as the clear lead back, no matter what you hear uh, right now, some buzz, it's going to be a committee. But Elijah Mitchell proved to be, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for him to stay healthy. And this Ty yeah. Davis price immediately dropped a pass in OTAs and was like behind everyone. I guess they're, they're hyping his his uh, pass protection, but uh, college watchers that I know say he's, you know, he makes Trey Sermon look good. So Sermon's a threat <laughs> to get cut. Jeff Wilson, I think, is their second best running back, and he's not getting drafted. Like I said, in the twenty fifth round, I mean, he's he's is no ADP in most fantasy leagues right now, so you can get him on your waiver wire. But uh, these two young guys, Ty Davis Price and uh, Trey Sermon, are real big question marks. The Niners want to run the ball like crazy, and will even more so with Trey Lance. Um, so I think I think Jeff Wilson is going to be a guy that everyone's going to be scrambling to get on their waiver wires at some point this year. Yeah, like I said last episode, just just what everybody wanted, more Niners uh, offseason speculation and fun from this podcast since it was such a great time last year, Dalton. And we nailed every single prediction that we had about the Niners. We, we just absolutely crushed it last offseason. Can't wait to run it back. Um, Rashad White is a rookie for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
look, I, there were a lot of we talked to Matt Waldman on this podcast, and he he was like give kind of gave the nod wave to uh, Rashad White. So I think there's some questions about him as a player. He fell deep into the draft. There are other film watchers and other evaluators who really like Rashad White, and he went to a great spot for a guy who's mostly a pass catching threat. Obviously, there in Tampa Bay, I am all in on Leonard Fournette at his current ADP, but no Ronald Jones. You know, Gio Bernard, they kind of brought back in like a eh, whatever sort of way there, um, not making very much money. Rashad White's explosive. He can catch passes. If anything happens to Leonard Fournette, again, this is sort of banking on chaos being what rules running backs. And, and you know, Leonard Fournette is, you know, getting up there at certain points. He was brought back on a decent deal. He's obviously a pass catching threat. So if Leonard Fournette stays healthy for the entire season, we probably never hear anything from Rashad White. But just in case, I think he is a guy to, you know, even potentially in the last rounds of your redraft league, like if you're drafting early enough that you don't have to take your stupid kicker or defense or whatever, take a Rashad White just on the off chance something happens to old Leonard Fournette. I think he would be the direct backup from an early down perspective and might even have some pass catching juice to offer, you know, potentially over a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn. We, we shall see, though, that that's an aggressive projection. Couple things here. I, I've I've been buying White for sure. I love how he was so insulted when compared to Ronald Jones. Um, I've definitely been <laughs> buying the hype. I've drafted him in two dynasty rookie uh, drafts so far. Um, love his future. Having said that, even as someone who's, to be clear, I have never been a Fournette guy. I've been hyping Ronald Jones, but I'm tempted to move Fournette right. He's my number six running back, and I'm tempted to move him number five ahead of ahead of Henry. Uh, he led yeah. the NFL in high value touches last year. I mean, it, it, yes, I know there's been hype on White, but Fournette is when you really read those quotes, it's just basically how much Brady and they trust Fournette, who will even break routes differently. Um, again, led the league in high value touches, and now no Ronald Jones, and no one likes Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, Fournette should be a first round fantasy pick. He is not being treated that way in all leagues right now. But and then White is a nice little backup too for insurance. Too. I mean, I, yeah. I think that in a way maybe helps his value if you can get him. I, that's why I like Dalvin Cook because Madison exists, whereas it, there's not so uh, such of a path for a. Uh, you know, we, we both had two different Titans guys, you know, and yeah, um, exactly, it's, it's not necessarily the case in Carolina. I mean, you know, McCaffrey's such a special player, unique player. So that's a little bit of my thought process there with Fournette and White. I'm, I'm in on both. Nice. Love it. Um, all right. Let's move on to your next running back here who actually just recently signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And the aforementioned best ball draft, I, I drafted Connor in the third round and immediately Daryl Williams was drafted. And I do not like that um, at all. It, it's it definitely hurts uh, Connor's uh, targets for sure. Daryl Williams is now joining Arizona. He affected the Kansas City backfield, whether you liked it or not. And I believe he's going to absolutely be the third down guy in Arizona and cut into James Connor's upside, which was absolutely to be clear, uh, an RB1, a first-round fantasy value possibility. But now with Williams there, um, it, cl it clouds the situation a little bit. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, I think uh, the, the appeal of James Conner, we talked about this on like all throughout kind of last season, was that, look, you look at James Conner, like, he can do both things. Obviously, they brought him in there to be the banger back in Arizona. But like when Chase Edmonds went down, he could have that pass-catching upside. Daryl Williams, weirdly enough, has that pass catching juice as well. Like could play on those third down situations. So I agree, could shave a little bit off James Conner. And then it's the same sort of analysis, though. Like Williams can also be a bit of an early down banger in addition to being a pass passing down back. So something happens to James Conner, who, you know, love James Conner, happy for him that he got that deal. Not a guy that stayed healthy throughout the course of his career. There's a chance Daryl Williams is making starts for this team at some point this year. So absolutely love that suggestion. Uh, similar vein here. Uh, again, I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Like I like Leonard Fournette, but 
Rashad White's a good sleeper. I like Miles Sanders as a bet this year behind a good offensive line, you know, behind uh, in, in an offense that I think is going to take a dramatic step forward. Like we're taking Jalen Rager's targets and we're giving them to AJ Brown. Let me tell you what, that's a good thing for your entire offense. So kind of want to be in on the Eagles offense. And, you know, just in case I'm wrong about Miles Sanders and like obviously bad touchdown luck for him last year, but if the coaching staff is kind of soured on him or he gets injured or something, I think Kenneth Gainwell makes for an interesting sleeper. He was sort of in and out of favor last year. And sometimes it looked like he had a, a really unique role carved out for him. Then other times he was kind of put on the shelf for like goofball veterans like Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. So again, sort of talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but I do think if you want to be aggressive on the Eagles offense and I do want to be aggressive on the Eagles offense, I think Kenneth Gainwell makes sense uh, as a guy there. You got to like the offseason moves they've made both on offense and defense in Philadelphia. Um, I haven't no, I haven't really figured out what to, to make of the backfield or where to rank Miles Sanders. I've been pretty tepid there. I'm cool with going after Gainwell, but there's also Boston Scott would be my older other counters. There's a third body there um, uh, just to, to tie up the Eagles talk. I have Hertz as my number three fantasy QB. I think he's going to absolutely <sighs> smash. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, I forgot my top running back deep sleeper, and he's not, he's like the least deep of these names. Gus Edwards, um, I know they signed Mike Davis. Dude, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Dalton's face, uh, you can't see it out there for the listening audience, but it says it all. It was a meh, dismissive little face there, and I think that's basically how we should probably treat Mike Davis. Um, they obviously needed some depth there behind Edwards and Dobbins, but if we're going to just take the analysis that we had on J.K. Dobbins and pluck it right back out there for for what he was before he tore his ACL last year. I feel like we should do the same for Gus Edwards. Like the Ravens clearly wanted to be a they, they leaned back into their identity as more of a run heavy team. Their offseason moves show us that draft a center in the first round. They trade away Marquise Brown. They're they're incredibly light at wide receiver. I, I think that there's a good chance that you know Gus Edwards maintains the same role he probably would have had last year and he was going much earlier than where he's ranked this year that's exactly what i was going to say last year he was treated as one of these highest upside backups uh, drafted aggressively nothing's really changed everyone's hurt in a year a year later um and he's not being treated as such but if jk dobbins were to go down in the preseason or, or whatever any given week edwards would be the starting running back for the ravens it'd be a, a must start so a- absolutely edwards is a, a slam dunk here he's the best one among all these sleepers over the running backs if also we're transitioning into wide receivers, I didn't have him on the list, but um, Devin Duvernay is a guy to watch this offseason as potentially like their speed slot receiver. I think they probably need another outside body there, um, but keep him in mind. I, I, I didn't want to put him on the list just in case they sign somebody, but I do think he's worth. Uh, we're talking on, but... Ravens real quick, Harm. I want to ask you to talk when I have the RP guy on here. What, what are your thoughts on Marquise Brown? Because I've I've quietly moved him. Well, not quite, but I mean, I've just. Thought about it, the more I think about it, and as the season's gone on, I have him as my eight, wide receiver 18. Think he can ball as the the number one guy in Arizona. I mean, if you look at the list of people, he got quietly a lot of targets last year, a lot, real high target share. So is he earning those? Is it a a risk to go in a new situation and then uh, DeAndre Hopkins comes back midseason? Or is he going to ball out and he's getting underrated? I think he's underrated, man. Like, his rookie season was really good. I think his second season... His second season wasn't great because I think he was pigeonholed into a role that he shouldn't have been. Like, I don't think he's a true number one receiver. I th- And I, you definitely don't want him out there running against press coverage. But they're not going to have do doing that in Arizona. He's going to be a flanker slot receiver uh, hybrid guy for them. And I really I love, you know, 
I think it's, we were so quick to bag on this trade, but basically the, the Cardinals traded a second round pick for Marquise Brown. Like they didn't trade a first round pick because they got a third round pick back for him. Right. Um, so I like the trade the more I think about it. Um, and I really like the way Marquise Brown is set up. I do think he is an underrated player. Like he's not terrible. He's a good, he's a good starting receiver. He's just a, not a number one type of guy, but Arizona is not really going to ask him to be that number one when, DeAndre Hopkins is obviously out there. And even when um, they brought back AJ Green to kind of be that outside receiver um, when they're in three wide sets is like the pure. But, I mean, AJ guy, Green so. and Rondell Moore's is competition uh, and, yeah. a, and a dusted yeah. uh, Zach Ertz. I mean, I don't, this sets up for quite a, quite a lot of looks. Quite a lot of targets. And I don't, I don't know what the hell to do with Rondell Moore, man. Like, I don't know what, the, what whatever he was doing last year. It wasn't playing wide receiver. Let me tell you that. So uh, <laughs> it was a very strange little role they had him in. I don't really know what to do with him as a player. And I think Marquise Brown is just like whatever your best case scenario is for Rondell Moore as a player. Like Marquise Brown is already better than that, I think, in my opinion. So yeah, I do think it's a pretty good, big good win, and I okay. think they'll, I think they'll sign him to a contract extension sooner than later, um, because this is clearly a move to like make Kyler happy, and I think those two, the the big, I, I love Lamar Jackson, but the big difference between Kyler Murray and, and Lamar Jackson is Murray's a much more adept deep ball passer statistically. You can, you know, that that's really easy to back that up. So that should be pretty good news for Marquise Brown. All right, love to hear it. All right, good, good. I'm gonna keep him bullish then. All right, well, let's go way uh, down from wide receiver 18 into some some deep, deep ranges here and start off with Jamison Crowder, who you've got on your list. Uh, Crowder's getting absolute. Where is his ECR? 76 right now? In the oh, community? yeah. I mean, I assume that's just people kind of just uh, late. Are they not understanding he's a new slot receiver in Buffalo? I mean, Cole Beasley's gone. I love Isaiah McKenzie, and I actually kind of hope that he does. They turn him loose, but and there's Shakir, the rookie, but... To me, he's now going to be the main slot crowder, the main slot receiver on a Buffalo offense that passes the ball more than any team in the league. And I mean, uh, what's not to like Crowder? 122 targets a couple years ago. I mean, he earns the targets when he's on the field. Uh, no guarantee he'll stay there, but he's 28 years old, not 35. I mean, I don't know. I love the new slot receiver in Buffalo, and he's not uh, being consensusly drafted as a top 75 fantasy whiteout right now. It seems a bit egregious. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Gabe Davis on some platforms oh, has like a wide receiver. I do like I like Gabe Davis too, but he's like wide. He's a top thirty wide receiver on some platforms. Like that's that's pretty aggressive for Gabe Davis, who's not like a proven starter. He's a proven big play guy, but he hasn't proven that he can be a full time right. starter. Jameson Crowder has been. I do think people feel like Jameson Crowder is a hundred years old, but he's not that old. Twenty eight. He was yeah. only. He's only drafted in 2015, same draft class as like Amari Cooper. And, and you know, wow. so it's, wow. he, he, yeah. he's not yeah. been in the league that, that long. Steph, no, Emmanuel Sanders, class. Emmanuel Sanders was there last gone, year and he's yeah. gone. I mean, I don't know, man. What's, I don't know. I mean, he, I, one of those boring veterans that you're not going to explode boring, in yeah. touchdowns, but if you're in PPR Crowder is, looks like a, an excellent target. Oh yeah. I think, I think, and I think Crowder is better than Cole Beasley. Like at their, at their respective peaks, I have no idea where, you know, James Crowder is like at this point. Is Certainly career, like, last year's version of Beasley hobbling out there on one leg. Certainly. Oh yeah. 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 I think, I think James Crowder's better player brings more juice to the slot. Um, he did only get 2 million bucks from the bills on a one-year deal. So there's that. And I, I'm a big Khalil Shakir fan, but he's a fifth round rookie. Like, so it's a camp battle worth monitoring. And if he is the full-time starting slot receiver for this team, he's going to smash that ADP uh, regardless. Talked about benefiting from chaos at the running back position. At the wide receiver position, it's not the worst thing to do either. And Van Jefferson, I think, is like, <laughs> for whatever your running back insurance is, like, he's that guy for wide receiver. Like, 
If Allen Robinson gets hurt and he struggled with injuries last year, Cooper Cup, God forbid, gets hurt. Like Van Jefferson just going to smash his ADP. And I think he has some standalone value too. Like he has big play juice. I think Van Jefferson's just kind of an underrated player. I think people are dogging on him after his Super Bowl performance. Uh, the guy's kid was born like that night so like if his mind was a little elsewhere i'm willing to write it off i think he is an ascending young player a guy i'm willing to bet on super super uh you know affordable in drafts right now uh i think he is a guy worth taking and again there's upside if just like last year you know robert woods goes down and i'm all like dude i'm so all the way back in on alan robinson it's not even funny but just in case something happens just in case something happens to alan robinson van jefferson would step into that role and i think is more than good enough to hold it down Great points. Underutilizing fantasy football is the insurance at wide receiver position because, and this is a great example of that. Although a lot of Tutu Atwell, uh, some buzz there uh, from the five nine receivers. Yeah. But okay. um, <laughs> so my question, I was going to go back to you, is Allen Robinson because I've been warming to him, and and I might even treat him as like a top twenty five. You think he can be a wide receiver too if if Cup stays healthy? I I agree with you, the Jefferson if injuries strike, but but can we treat Robinson? Can he can in a way better environment now? Can he be like a a wide receiver too even with Cup staying healthy? It's true, definitely possible, right? There's no reason he can't do at least what Robert Woods was doing last year. And I think he's be he's a better player than Robert Woods. People act like Rob Robinson was terrible on film last year. No, he was not terrible on film last year. It wasn't as good as like 2020 or 2019 or something like that. But more than good enough to be excited about him as the number two receiver for the Rams offense. Dude, Justin Fields was not good. Like, I know every like Justin Fields backer wants to like take a sh couple shots at Allen Robinson to make the rookie look a little bit better. The inverse of that relationship is is not good. That's all I'll say about that. So okay, I have uh, a yeah. question: Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney now getting all the targets? Allen Robinson. Who you drafted first? Okay, yeah, Allen right. Robinson. No, okay. no, no question. question. Just, no question. Just okay. Ecosystem there. No question. No hesitation. And I like Darn. I like Darnell Mooney too. I think Darnell Mooney is underrated at this point. But I think from a like yeah ecosystem standpoint, uh, touchdown stand like. Robinson hasn't scored double-digit touchdowns since his big 2015 season. I think we can book him for 10-plus this year. I, I would project it that way. I love it. I, I would not argue, but uh, to give reference, uh, Mooney right now, his ECR is wide receiver 26, Allen Robinson 29. Oh, yeah. No, you can, you can go ahead and flip those and bump Allen mm -hmm. Robinson a couple spots up for me. I'm, I'm very, like very, very excited about him. Um, all right. Let me let, let me hear from uh, you about a couple a couple of dusty veterans we got here, starting with Will Fuller. <laughs> um, yeah, Will Fuller just is uh, unsigned. He was going in fifteenth round of the best ball league I was in. I mean, the guy produced a best ball guy. I, I know it's a crutch yeah. for a lot of people, but he's always hurt. But those big plays and the reason I I, I don't. Would, who knows the Deshaun Watson situation, but there's been rumblings he'd wind up in Cleveland there, and it's like a perfect fit too. They need a deep ball threat. So Will Fuller, just a guy who's getting. He is basically going five rounds later because he's unsigned. The second he signs with any team, he will his ADP will climb. So that's why I went with him there. And a total afterthought. I mean, who who has a finger injury that was week to week for 18 weeks last year? But let's not forget how explosive he was. And when him, he and Deshaun Watson were on the field together, it was like Montana and Rice numbers for a stretch there. Yeah, so what if he does sign in Cleveland? And what if Watson you know, does play the second half of the season? So that, that was my, my thought there. And Kenny Galladay, you already said, we said most of it about Dable and the situation there in the Giants. And his ADP is rounds and rounds lower lower than the the last year no one wants him I, I think I said I'd rather listen to Kenny G than draft Kenny G at his ADP last year and uh, it's totally flipped this year I mean Tony as much as I love him so injury prone litany uh, yeah. of injuries so I could see Kenny G quietly be getting a lot of targets in a in a, an improved offense too yeah uh Liz and I used to talk about like Darius Slayton as an appealing player because he was the one of these things I doesn't look Slayton. like the other yeah. in in the giant and i mean slate slayton's like an average player right like it's whatever who cares um even at his peak but like 
one of these things doesn't look like the other applies once again here to Kenny Galladay. Like Kadarius Tony should be a slot receiver. Sterling Shepard, if he's healthy, should be a st- slot receiver. They draft Wandale Robinson in the right. second round, like he's a slot receiver. Um, like I mean, I think Tony can play a little bit outside, but he's so far away from being like a true like route runner technician at the position. So Kenny Galladay as the ex receiver there is very appealing. I agree. I think he will. And Evan the... Ingram's wasted targets are gone. Gone. Is Ricky Seals Jones yes. going to get the hundred targets or whatever that Ingram? You know what no. I mean? I don't know. It's an interesting setup if Kenny Galladay can actually stay healthy. Yeah, he's the guy I think that is the most appealing at ADP, especially of these wide receivers in New York. Uh, all right, another guy uh, I would like to mention here. We talked about Rashad White, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Russell Gage, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver. I think Gage is a good player. Number one, number two, Tom Brady specifically recruited him. And number three, like he's going to have that slot receiver role, I think, to himself while uh, Chris Godwin is hurt. Um, you know, he's a guy who's not getting a ton of draft type right now. I think he probably will as the as the year like starts to wear on closer to week one. But yeah, Russell Gage, underrated player, was really good last year for the Falcons, more so than I even expected. I really think that Russell Gage is a guy who is going to give you big weeks when Chris Godwin is like, I think probably starting appeal when Chris Godwin is, is if he's it misses time to start the year, but even so, like there's a lot of uh, targets vacated by Antonio Brown there and really nobody to fill them except Russell Gage. I don't know. His ECR is 50 right now. I have him at top 35 receiver, Russell Gage. He really impro- improved last year. He was uh, even contested, contested catch rate. We never really see that, that he had that in him. All three of Tampa Bay wide receivers last year finished as wide receiver ones in fantasy points per game. <laughs> I mean, Antonio wow. Brown's gone now. Chris Godwin's going to miss the first month of the year and come back from a torn ACL. Engage is the Brady's slot man. Like, I, I don't really get what's happening here. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be the only one I'd make fun of you for calling him a deep sleeper. I mean, <laughs> what's going on here? I mean, Russell Gage is good, and he's Brady, Brady leads the league every year in in-zone targets. So he didn't he attempt 700 passes last year. Yes, I, I like Russell Gage quite a bit. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why he's not even being treated as a top 50 fantasy wideout right now. Odd. I said I, I said I'd do the cutoff at wide receiver 50. He yeah. is wide receiver 49 yeah. now since I looked at this. I guess people may be updating their rankings. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. point is here. Anyway, yeah. I agree. I like, yeah. like it, like it. All right, we're on the same page there. Um, yeah, all right, let's talk your last sleeper. And I like this one a lot in KJ Osborne. Oh, yeah. Very simple here. Just the same as the insurance. What if something happens to Adam Thielen like it does every year or even, God forbid, Justin Jefferson, who's the number two player on my board right now, by the way. Justin Jefferson is going to go crazy. Uh, But Osborne's shown shown flashes and they have a huge coaching upgrade in Minnesota indoors. Um, Yeah, if injuries strike, uh, Yahtzee, he would be a top 30 fantasy wideout. Yeah, 100%. Love uh, that call there. And I just think this offense is going to be pretty good this year. Like, it's, the it's it's again, there was even the moment last year when, uh, was it Adam Thielen got hurt last year? And, you know, it was like, all right, KJ Osborne, sign me up. He had that one, you know, t- I think he had a pretty decent game against the Steelers. So, yeah, it makes a ton of sense there. Last guy on my list here is Calvin Austin. He's a rookie for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's not the first rookie drafted. George Pickens was the second round pick of the, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. A wide receiver room that quietly needed a little bit of help this year. Obviously, Deontay Johnson going into a contract year. Chase Claypool coming off a bad season last year. Like, not just a Ben Roethlisberger. I've said this a ton, but not just a Ben Roethlisberger-induced bad season. Like, a bad season where he's got to wear some of the blame for it. And Dalton, like, I can't figure out. Like, this is probably stuff that only interests nerds like me and nobody else cares about. But I've spent a lot of time since the uh, Steelers drafted George Pickens, who's a pure X receiver, like... Who's going to play slot receiver for this team? Deontay Johnson had like 7% of his snaps in the slot last year. He's not really 
a slot receiver. He's more of an outside the numbers separator. Chase Claypool maybe could be a big slot receiver, but he's been more of a pure outside guy, fewer than 20% of his snaps in the slot last year. George Pickens is not a slot receiver, pure X guy. So maybe Calvin Austin as a, as a guy who played X receiver in college, but because of his size is not going to be that guy. Maybe he ends up being like their speed slot receiver this year. I don't know. Long, long, long shot, probably the longest shot of any of these guys we've named at wide receiver so far, like odds are he does nothing this year, but something to keep in mind. Yeah, and Ray-Ray McLeod probably played slot for them a bit last year. Yes, and he did, he, yes. And he's gone, so that's interesting. Yeah, I, I looked into Calvin Austin a little bit uh, when I saw him on the outline. There's definitely some some nice buzz, but uh, yeah, this is a rookie that I don't I don't know much about, but um, I do know that Pittsburgh is pretty good at developing receivers historically, so he's someone to keep your eye on. I will say this about Calvin Austin. You know, he's like 5'8", 170 something. So you go into watching a player like that, go into charting a player like that, and you think, okay, I'm going to see some like little gadgety stuff, whatever. No, dude, this guy was out there like playing pure X receiver, running legit routes, getting pretty decent separation, and actually winning contested catches too. And, you know, he's playing at freaking Memphis in college. That's different than playing in the NFL. Like, I, again, I think you project him to be more of a slot receiver. But you talked about Ray Ray McLeod, pretty similar builds there. He could end up being, I don't know, he could end up being that type of guy for them. So we shall see. Um, all right, that was a ton of wide receivers. Let's move on to tight ends here to wrap things up. Uh, I love your first pick here, uh, Brevin Jordan at tight end. Yeah, he flashed down the stretch last year. Hopefully he emerges as Houston's clear number one tight end this year. Not many other receivers there. I already mentioned my love for Davis Mills, young tight end, afterthought in fantasy draft tables, but I currently have him as my my tight end 20. I think there's some nice upside for uh, young Brevin Jordan in, in Houston. That was so brief. I want to, uh, come on, where, is, that, give me more about Brevin Jordan, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you watch him, he certainly passes the eye test. The workout metrics, you know, aren't off the charts, but um, but uh, there's just a lot of a lot of hype. If you if you read the um the Houston beat writers, they think he's going to clearly emerge. You know, uh, they have a Pharaoh or whatever is the guy ahead of him. But I think I think Jordan is the guy they want to emerge, and he could easily just right behind um right behind Brandon Cooks and, and, and Collins there, and he could be their number three target for a team that's going to have to be throwing the ball a lot. Doesn't have much running running back situation there. So so is that enough, Brevin Jordan? Uh, standing for you. Yeah, now I feel pretty. Ga- I feel really gassed up about Brevin Jordan okay. now. No, I think he's a good. Like we're always looking for, and I think the. I think just like I talked about with rushing quarterbacks, I think we've gotten smarter about this as a community. Like, just draft the athletic tight end that's in position to, you know, like break out later in his career. Yada yada, whatever. We've got a couple of the, these guys on the list. Brevin Jordan could be that guy. Uh, you know, obviously, but we've gotten smarter about this community. Like Albert O is like the 16th ranked tight end. Like, I mean, he could maybe outkick the. I don't know. Denver's a tough team to pick, but like my number yeah. eight tight end, by the way. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Love Albert right behind, yeah. Love him. Right behind Alberto in consensus rankings is Robert Tanyan at tight end 17 right now in half PPR. You know, he obviously got hurt last year. Wasn't doing what we expected him to do last season. But, like, now the ADP is just there's a huge gap. You can get a nice little uh, reprieve there from the high ADP that he was last year in Robert Tanyan. And the opportunity is still there. It's not like they added anyone at tight end. Obviously, Devontae Adams is gone. Maybe we keep we're sitting here talking about Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson and you know, all these guys at wide receiver. Uh, maybe Bob Tanyan's the biggest beneficiary there uh, for Aaron Rodgers in that offense. I have him ranked too low. I need I need to move him up. There's just simply no one there to throw to. And Rodgers loves those short touchdown passes. And with no Adams, 
there. I mean, Tunyon is one season removed from 11 touchdowns. Normally, I'm skeptical of those guys that are so reliant on, on the scores. I mean, just 59 targets. But if there's ever a player that's going to repeat that, you know, I mean, it's with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the short score. So I probably have him ranked too low because I'm bullish on Alan Lazard. I'm the high man there. I really, you know, obviously there's so many open targets there and so many question marks with the raw Watson and Watkins reportedly may not even no lock to make the team. I know there's some nice buzz about Amari Rodgers being the best shape of his life, but I just think Aaron Jones <laughs> is going to get so many targets. Aaron Jones is, oh, um, yeah. but Tun- Tunyon, I, I I believe I have him ranked too low, and I'm going to move him up after after further thought because yeah, he could just easily walk into another double digit score season. He, he tore his knee in Week Eight, so it looks like he's probably going to be ready for the season too. So yeah, I like this call. Yeah, um, I'm with you on being ahead of consensus on Aaron Jones for sure. All right, Moali Cox. I, I mentioned Tyrod Taylor earlier, the pride of Hampton, Virginia. We got another Virginia guy here, pride of VCU, Moali Cox, former basketball player. Dalton, I feel like I have been waiting for the Moali Cox breakout for 100 years now, and they drafted another, the pride of University of Virginia in Jelani Woods this year, um, who I'm excited about from a dynasty perspective, but rookie tight ends, the guy also is pretty raw, is Jelani Woods, so maybe he's like a a couple years down the line is going to be that guy, but... We talked about breakout tight ends, athletic guys, you know, later in their career. I think Moali Cox fits that bill to a T. Tight end is just such a tough position to, to make an impact at rookie. We saw Kyle Pitts at the perfect situation, and he's a unicorn, and even he had minimal impact. So that's why I'm not as worried about the guy, the rookie behind Albert O in Denver, too. Um, draft Jelani Woods for your dynasty team, uh, but but draft Moali Cox for this year. There's no... Uh, no more Doyle there. Um, I love Michael Pittman, but a lot of I, I think Mike Ryan's going to play better than, than Carson Wentz indoors. Nice coaching. Moali Cox was top twenty quietly in yards per route run last year and yards per target among tight ends, and now he has uh, Matt Ryan throwing to him. So uh, and no and no Doyle. So I I really like the setup there. And again, just a total deep sleeper that's an afterthought among at drafts right now. Tight end thirty five in consensus yeah. rankings. You know, around Jer- he's behind Jared Cook, who's currently a free agent. Um, Anthony Ferkser, sandwiched between those two guys. Ferkser uh, is in uh, Atlanta. I'm, Michael Pittman, dude, is going to smash this year. I love Michael Pittman. He is so, so, so good. Uh, shout out to me for being right about Michael Pittman last year. Uh, he's going to exceed expectations. I think, you know, there's all this talk about like the Colts need to sign a veteran receiver to go along with, uh, with Michael Pittman. Yeah, they could definitely use a better start. Yeah, Alec Pierce, we'll see if he makes an impact as a rookie, but like, Michael Pittman's completely good enough to handle like 150 targets. And now he's getting those targets from Matt Ryan, as opposed to Carson Wentz. And, you know, Wentz wasn't like completely terrible last year, but it's going to be a much more efficient situation there. A much more like from the routes that Michael Pittman runs and where he's good on the field, Matt Ryan's so much better. I know we're talking about Mo Alley Cox here and I'm in on Mo Alley Cox as a draft pick, but dude, Michael Pittman, like I I'm pretty tempted to rank him as like a wide receiver one, like a top 12 guy in, in both dynasty and redraft. So he's my wide receiver nine, and I'm actually tempted to move him ahead of Debo wow. Samuel and Tyreek Hill because I just think those guys, I mean, you're just going to have to, based on last year's stats, you just have to have those guys a certain area. But they're, yeah. the likelihood of those two repeating in the new situation with Tyreek Hill, I, I really think uh, I have Pittman right behind you know, the Jefferson Cup, Chase, CeeDee Lamb is a first rounder now, and then Devontae Adams and Diggs. And I think Pittman should, belongs in the conversation there given his situation and you know, you're, he's ready to really break out. Yeah, wide receiver uh, 15 
Michael Pittman in consensus rankings. That's ahead of ADP too. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean, like these are like give me a him ahead of Jalen Waddle. Give me him ahead of Deontay Johnson. Give me him ahead of Keenan Allen. Some of these guys who are ranked ahead of him. Yeah, MT Higgins pretty close, but like yeah, very close. Uh, very, close. very very much in on Michael Mike Pittman, Evans. Just, Mike Evans. I, I usually originally had Evans ahead of him, but I'm like, no, I'm going with the younger guy. And if Godwin does come back, I mean, it's just so touchdown with with, with Evans. What are your thoughts with those two? I really like Mike Evans this year. Like, I think if Chris Godwin, the injury reports are are right. not good, and and yeah, I mean come, Gronk yeah, coming back, like good. I think Gronk yeah. Gronk's so gonna come back, there. right? But uh, dude, I th- I think Evans has like top five upside this yeah, year, for sure. Um, for sure. But I don't, why doesn't Michael Pittman have top five upside? Like, if this offense is gonna be good, if Matt Ryan's gonna be good in this ecosystem, and I, I think he is a hundred hundred percent like on the upswing of his career. Like, we haven't seen the best of Michael Pittman yet. Like, I it's just I don't know. It's he's one of these players. I know we're talking about him. He's, this is a freaking deep sleeper episode, and he's like not a deep sleeper. But point is, like Michael Pittman, give me an early stamp on him for sure in 2022. Um, I think he's a guy completely capable. If like the Colts don't sign a Julio Jones or a veteran receiver or something like that, like I think you can comfortably project him for 100, like 140 something targets, and I think he's more than good enough to handle that load. Yeah, year three breakout. I'm hyping up Mo Ali Cox because there's no there's no one else there at all. I and mean, he's literally has no competition. He's 129 targets in year number two from Carson Wentz. Oh yeah, Pittman. Pittman's gonna gonna be drafted much higher next year than he is right now this year. Love it. All right, I got that. Really got my juices flowing there uh, talking about Michael Pittman. So let me bring us all the way back down to talk <laughs> about our last deep sleeper here in Gerald Everett. You know, I talked about uh, Jared Cook just a second ago with the Mo Ali Cox ranking, like. Jared Cook leaving the Chargers, Gerald Everett signed by the Chargers. Is Gerald Everett just not like the new Jared Cook? You know, a, a athletic guy that keeps landing in these pretty decent situations and hasn't quite broken out yet. The, the Chargers have a pretty big hole there behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Obviously, Austin Eckler, too, in the passing game totem pole. So, like, there's a pretty decent chance that Gerald Everett has some good weeks from a touchdown perspective, um, you know, has some decent targeted games. I think as a tight end too, in best ball leagues, especially like, yeah, give me Gerald Everett. There is a guy uh, who could, I know I was in on him last year with the damn Seahawks. Obviously yeah. the chargers though, are going to be a better uh, situation for him uh, there with, you know, obviously from a quarterback perspective, from an offensive play calling perspective, um, this is a pretty good landing spot for Gerald Everett. And I feel like he's not getting a lot of steam right now. Yeah, I was in on him last year, too, when he followed his tight end coach to Seattle. But what's not to like again this year with Herbert throwing him passes as the clear tight end one? I mean, people do like Parham behind him. But, um, yeah, especially if if Keenan Allen or Williams get injured, which are uh, uh, not not too infrequent occurrences and even more targets. So, yeah. So uh, Gerald Everett is another nice deep sleeper. Yeah. Tight end 22 in consensus rankings. Um, Again, I feel like we're we're ending on a really like whatever note here after all no, that michael pittman man we're draft we, michael yeah, pittman. For sure. yeah. yeah if you stuck around the entire deep sleeper episode congratulations you found out we both like a guy who's like a top 15 <laughs> consensus ranked receiver so there you go um all right that's gonna do it for us this episode dalton this was this was pretty awesome here a mid or uh, end of may edition uh talking about a bunch of random goofballs really enjoyed it what do you, what do you got going on right now for the people to check out Oh, I'm writing a lot of baseball right now, but it was nice to hop on and talk some football with you, Matt. And uh, once again, man, congratulations uh, joining the Married Life. Thanks, buddy. Glad to be here. Uh, I'm the luckiest guy in the entire world. It's been uh, that's just keeps hitting me over over and over and over again. Wedding day and then uh, afterwards, I'm very, very incredibly fortunate that somebody so uh, <laughs> awesome wanted to marry me. So there you go. Shout out to shout out to us in the Married uh, Club here for sure. All right, while you're waiting to draft all of these deep sleepers 
and you're just so excited. You can't wait to draft Jamison Crowder, you know, and, and, and Calvin Austin and all these guys. You're just so gassed up about that. While you're waiting for those drafts to kick off, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. You can follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. And while you're there, of course, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Andy and Scott will be back after Memorial Day. Until then, we're out. <laughs>